Welcome to Podcast Awesome. In this series of Nerd Show and Tell episodes, we chat with members of the Fawn Awesome team, take a deep dive into some of their recent work, and share the nerdy interests that enrich their lives. I'm your host, Matt Johnson. Today, we're talking with icon designer Noah Jacobus. At Font Awesome, we take pride in working with the very best people we know. Not only those with top-tier professional skills, but the kind of quality people you want to work with every day. That's why we were so thrilled when Noah joined the Font Awesome team. Noah tells us about the monumental task of creating the upcoming Font Awesome Sharp Icon family and shares his love of minimal retro-styled games. Thanks for hanging out today in our nerd show and tell. I'm really curious, like how did you how did you get into the world of of making icons, and what's your professional background? I first became aware of icons as kind of a craft in and of itself, probably back in in middle school or so. I definitely didn't think there was any kind of career that could be associated with it. it seemed like more mm-hmm. of an interesting kind of side art project or anything else. Uh, probably because they first came to my attention through the work of the Icon Factory, who um, back when I was in middle school, or at least when I first became aware of them, used to run a contest called Pixel Palooza every year, where people could enter icon sets that were for Mac OS at the time, system replacement type stuff. You know, I, I squeaked by with what little skill I had at the time and the software I had to try to uh, kind of reach these levels of quality that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helped start teaching my eye a little bit about things that make good icon sets, especially consistency and being creative within those immense constraints. And so I started making some of that stuff just for fun at the time, but I didn't think, you know, that there was any kind of professional uh, outlet kind of associated with that. So, you know, graphic design kind of sat on the back burner for a while, even though that was always kind of my favorite part of like school projects, like writing papers and stuff was always like doing the typesetting <laughs> or what uh-huh. little bit of that you could do in like Microsoft Word at the time. Yeah. And picking fonts and all that kind of stuff and making little graphics for uh, papers and things. And so that just kind of was a, kind of a blip in my career. Um, because I went to school for music history, um, so, okay. which was kind of a big thing that um, was a big deal in my family. Music education, both my mom and my dad studied it. My brother studied it. Others in our family did too. And so I kind of followed in the family business, so, so to speak, and went to school for yeah, we, that. We've got some commonality there. My, my dad's a music teacher as well. Excellent. Yeah. yeah and uh, so is my aunt. And yeah, very, very musical family. That's cool. I think there's there's definitely connection between music and the visual arts. And the verbal arts, I think there's a lot of brain crossover there. Yeah, tell me about that. What do you mean? Well, it's actually a lot of the things that you look for, because like a large part of at least learning to play music in a, in a more traditional sense, like in a you know a concert band or an orchestra or something like that, and learning to and the the analyzation and interpretation of material has a big crossover, I think, into visual arts especially. And there's even a lot of shared terminology between Mm -hmm. say music and visual design 
you know, especially when we talk about things like visual rhythm and higher and hierarchy, developing a visual rhythm of knowing where to look. Like when someone is listening to a piece of music and knowing how it should flow a little bit with expe- expected chord progression and expected rhythm and knowing where mm-hmm. beats are going to fall can help put someone at ease in that way. Developing visual rhythms through hierarchy and you know, like grid usage and things like that are okay. a big way towards helping guide someone to understanding a piece of visual information in, a, in kind of a similar way. So, I mean, yes, I've never really thought of that. That's so interesting. And I'm sure that you're also using the same part of your brain in a sense too, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, what you said with um, the world of words, there's a sameness to that also because you have to build upon information and create a flow that makes sense for the person taking it in. I, I can see how there's there's connections uh, to that. And, you know, interestingly, years ago, um, I was in publishing, and so I would, you know, edit books. And, and I was doing a side job with a guy, and he was asking me about my background, kind of, you know, conversations kind of like this. And I told him I was a musician, and he he said, Oh, that's so interesting. You know, some of the best speechwriters um, are, um, you know, historically musicians too, because they understand like cadence and mm-hmm. how to build on something that makes sense. And it's so interesting how all those things kind of come together. So you went to school uh, for music education, sounds like, and um, so now you're an icon designer. Can you tell me a little bit about your? you know, from music education to where you're at now? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it really came down to reaching the end of my senior year. And the options were, because I was, you know, specifically kind of focusing on music history. And so the, the two paths ahead of me were either continuing in education of music history, so going on to master's and doctoral work, or, you know, to start essentially, well, they're more intertwined than that, but also to start writing books about music history, essentially. So it's trying mm-hmm. to get published or start, continue down into teaching music history eventually. And those were kind of the only paths. And I was like, well, I don't really think I want to be in traditional education. And I don't really fancy writing dry music textbooks for the rest of my life, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which... Seemed to be the only things ahead of me. And all during mm-hmm. this time in college, I had continued to dabble a little bit in design because, you know, as many of us did, I got a bootleg copy of Photoshop from my roommate. And that's <laughs> kind of, you know, I started making dumb joke t-shirts and stuff for friends and eventually got yeah. into doing some like actual design work for the music department for recitals and events and and did a lot of design work for my own I mean, it wasn't a thesis per se, but like my big senior presentation in music history that kind of capped the whole thing. That was still kind of an undercurrent of my time and effort. And then my mm-hmm. very last semester, uh, I was able to get into um, a first level graphic design class because I was a senior. I had priority. So I, I don't know what poor soul I bumped out of there who could have <laughs> used that slot. But so I ended up taking like an actual my first le- actual class I'd ever had in graphic design like learning more about the actual craft and profession of it and things you could mm-hmm. do with it to make money in a career um, that kind of took off for me. And so that's kind of where everything diverted, which was an interesting conversation um, with both friends and family to be like, well, I'm not using this degree. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's so common these days too. You know, yeah. You, lots of twists and turns and you find yourself in a different field, but it's so interesting you know, what you were saying earlier about other creative forms and how there's just such a similarity between those things. And, and that informed your own work as a, as a designer, like how do you, how do you see how those worlds maybe came together for you? Like the skills that you learned as a musician and how that you were able to bring some of those skills to design, for example. Well, I mean, a a great example that springs to mind immediately is research and presentation was a huge thing, especially in, you know, studying music history, 80 to 90% of that is just research. You're just gathering sources and synthesizing information and recombining and trying to make it, you know, interesting to a layman in terms of like a lot of these more dry subjects, learning how to research well has yielded a ton of benefit for me in design, especially. Yeah. Interestingly, a lot of the studying more world music and um, ethnomusicology specifically in like what sorts of aspects of music were important to different cultures at different times throughout history and taking some kernels of those, of that stuff to look for into even now with icon design of, you know, looking at semiotics and symbology across cultures and trying to determine like, what sorts of things make sense and read a certain way in certain parts of the world versus others and what's going to make mm-hmm. sense and things to avoid and all that kind of stuff. There have been some interesting threads between those specifically. So definitely not a waste that I sure. that I studied all those things, but it's just been interesting to see a lot of those reused in other ways. And even like um, the two things I didn't think I wanted to do, teach and write, I have ended up doing in different ways that I didn't expect because I've done a lot of design and icon education, just not in a formal classroom. Oh, that's really cool to see how those things all come together. Um, at Vaughn Awesome, we work in these six-week splits. Is there anything recently, like in the maybe the last few splits that you've worked on um, that you'd want to tell us about? Sure. Um, it's largely the same, just because uh, one of the big things that kind of uh, got me on board initially was this push to to get Sharp released, which as of now, at least, we have got Sharp solid out in the world. And a lot of people are loving it, seems like, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So most of the splits, um, well, actually every single split since I began has been working on Sharp in some capacity. There's been some other fun stuff mixed in, like some of the things, you know, you and I got to work on a lot of the marketing stuff around the release of Sharp and, and mm-hmm. promoting all of that, which was a lot of fun, uh, making some fun uh, imagery kind of showing off a lot of these new icons and and new things you can do with them. Yeah. It's been, it's been mostly sharp, which has been very rewarding to see creep ever closer to completion. A few weeks ago, I think I mentioned we were chatting about the, what we were working on and I thought, golly, you know, thousands and thousands of icons and isn't that getting a little bit laborious, you know, and, and you seem to kind of 
you were sort of gleeful about it in a sense, like, well, I, I'm doing exactly what I want to do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, that's true. It's it's hard to get frustrated with it when it is like, yeah, it's a it's been a weird labor of love because it's like, I love icons so much, which to a lot of people yeah. sounds weird. But it's like a weird, it's like right in my wheelhouse of like a very niche thing I really enjoy doing. And a lot of other people don't. So that works out. Like even though it has been, yeah, thousands and thousands of icons at this point, that kind of scratches an itch that never used to get scratched at previous jobs, especially my last Mm -hmm. one, which, you know, was working at an agency. So it was a lot of quick turnarounds, you know, a different client every two or three weeks you know, you got to do a lot of really amazing work and it was fun. And there was a lot of different business verticals and different kinds of things you were working with, but it never felt like you really got to work on something to completion, like kind of scramble to the finish line and, you know, make a a nice product or a nice set of icons or whatever the thing needed. And then it felt kind of like throwing it over the fence and like, well, I hope you can use this Bye, and then moving on to the next project. And Mm -hmm. it might never get used. It might not get used or implemented correctly or as intended or you know who knows what could happen to to that work so here at fawn awesome to finally be able to like sit down and be like yes for eight months i'm gonna make these the best damn sharp icons they can possibly be and i can continue to iterate on it has been great that's great I'm curious about maybe some of the icons that don't really lend themselves to sharpness. <laughs> Can you say, I mean, a circle is not sharp. Do you really want your toilet paper to be sharp? <laughs> <laughs> so are, are there some things and challenges that came up with this particular project that you had to step back and, and think through? Yeah, that was an interesting thing. Cause like a little bit of the sharp work had started before I came on. Mm-hmm. Um, with Jory and, and um, some contract folks had like started to kind of test the waters a little bit to see what a sharp style would look like. So that was like a decent exploratory phase kind of at the beginning when I came on too, of basically like taking a whole batch of icons and kind of like running them through a gauntlet of like, what do we want the new rules to be? Because we want them to mm-hmm. still make sense as font awesome icons and still be, you know, generally using the same dimensions and proportions and stuff like that but you know font awesome six was already pretty rounded and friendly and so it was kind of like how can we how can we manage that and yeah exactly to your point there we have a lot of like circular stuff and even just plain circle icons and it's just like Mm -hmm. there's nothing to be done about that really when it comes to sharpening and you kind of have to walk that line of like clarity versus cleverness of this like we could make these all super angular and super sharp and then they make absolutely no sense like you cannot understand what this icon is supposed to mean or it no longer bears any resemblance to font awesome classic so kind of hacking away rounded bits and still keeping some level of curves like um Mm -hmm. all of our people icons are a good example of that you know like people in various poses and doing different things because we wanted to like especially with more organic stuff like people or food or things like that. It's like there has to be still some level of curvature to some of these things so that they're still able to read. So if you're looking at all our people icons, you know, we kept all their butts round because that was one thing we identified. I'm just like, these make 
them seem more like people if we keep yeah. some curvature in here. So yeah, there's a lot of weird little things like that where there was some level of compromise, but where we can, we do try to inject little bits of sharpness if possible, if any, if anything lends itself to that. So at Fawn Awesome, there's a real high value put on sharing our nerd. And that's sort of the point of these conversations. And obviously, you know, like we've already discussed, there's all kinds of things that inform your design work. So I guess I'm curious, what kind of stuff are you sort of nerding out about outside of work-related things? Anything design-oriented or tech? Mm-hmm. What have you been into lately? Probably the two main things I do outside of work are uh dungeons and dragons and uh video games more specifically i've been really getting interested in a lot of uh retro gaming uh more specifically i guess Mm -hmm. retro handhelds more more so i've been getting much more interested in kind of the history of retro gaming handhelds because i wasn't able to to have one growing up Uh, but i had a lot of friends who had you know game boys and stuff and so i kind of leached off of them whenever I could. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and kind of the resurgence of interest in that, as well as some new stuff like uh, the Playdate by Panic has been really cool to see in development. And I was finally able to get one earlier this year. And kind of the, the emphasis that goes into, especially when you're creating a new handheld like this, that's kind of inspired by the Game Boy and a lot of old things. And mm-hmm. kind of choosing which design constraints you want to embrace to kind of set it apart. Because like, you know, the Playdate is kind of a weird form factor and it has a black and white screen that doesn't have a backlight. And, you know, it's got some very unique inputs on it. You know, it has some of the stuff you might expect with buttons and stuff, but it also has like an accelerometer in it and it has a crank on the side of it and other <laughs> things like that that are fun really interesting of like, these are some new innovative things, but there's still cool ways to foster creativity because it's not a little wonder handheld that can do everything. It can only do some specific Mm -hmm. things very well. And so there's some very creative solutions for how to make interesting games for that. That's the same kind of thing that interests me a lot about iconography in that way is, you know, that emphasis on working within constraints. And I think that's kind of what drew me to retro gaming and kind of the resurrection of it as well. And kind of the, the preservation of it too, is like a kind of focus on that working with what they had and really making cool stuff. Okay. What's your favorite icon or icon category? That's tough because there's so many to choose from. But now that I have looked at all of them for the past eight months, I should have a better idea of what all is in there. Probably either clarinet icon, because, you know, as we were talking about my background in music, that is that was my instrument of choice from mm-hmm. fourth grade through college. So I had a lot of experience with that. I'm also a big fan of the book skull icon. Uh, mainly because of Army of Darkness, which is my traditional Halloween movie of choice, which I still I weirdly have not seen either of the previous two Evil Dead films. But 
That's on my to-do list. Is there any icon theme that needs to make it into the Font Awesome Canon that you're like chomping at the bit to to build out? <laughs> well, I was very surprised when I started that there weren't any dinosaurs within Font Awesome. So if possible, which I know that can be a little tough. We have a really good set of animals and nature-related icons, mm-hmm. but... With the exception of, I mean, there's like the whale and the horse might be like the biggest animals, but I'm trying to think of other big, like if I wanted to make like a big old long neck dinosaur trying to wedge that into the space, that's going to be the challenge is determining which ones and how to make them work in the space. So I'd love to add some dinos at some point. Nice. I'm slowly adding in some favorite things. I've already, speaking of the play date, I have already added one in and I think it will be coming out in a release pretty soon as like handheld game crank or something like that. So that'll that's sneaking its way in. But after that, when I've got some free time, I want to add some dinosaurs. So we're in the middle of our cool down now. Are you working on anything fun right now? I am uh, working on some pretty fun swag and merchandise, uh, which should be really fun. Something hopefully that will also be able to go out into the world and not just be for us, like we do get to design a lot of fun things just for us, but I'm also excited to see this get out there to the masses. And it's a another fun way to also reuse a lot of our icons in new and interesting ways too. Some stuff that mm-hmm. some some sharp stuff that has not been released yet will be in this. So So tell me it's gonna be a branded switchblade. To promote Fawn Awesome Sharp, obviously. <laughs> I don't know if we are prepared for the potential lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks for listening in to Podcast Awesome. A special thank you to Noah for coming on the show. If you like what you've heard, please give us a rating and review and share this episode with your nerd friends. This episode was produced and edited by yours truly, Matt Johnson. The Fawn Awesome theme song was composed by Ronnie Martin. And audio mastering was done by Chris Enns at Lemon Productions. And now, please enjoy a musical composition by our own Noah Jacobus.